Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. This is Matt Spiegel, and I can't wait to bring you season two of the PBP, Voices of Baseball. The very best play-by-play voices in the game talk about their craft. It's a job so special that even Joe Buck told us he will probably go back to it. I'm 53, basically 54. I, I think it's too early to say nevers at this point in my life. I think at some point I'll get the itch again. Incredible guests sharing great stories from your favorite teams coming this year. Find us on the Odyssey app or wherever you find podcasts. The, the, the winds of change are blowing through Raider Nation, and Silver and Black Today keeps you up to date with the latest news and views about your Las Vegas Raiders. Touchdown, Las Vegas! With insight, opinions, and interviews, we're on the cutting edge of what's happening now. Now, now with the latest on your Raiders and the NFL, your host, Scott Goldbranson and Mo Moten. Happy Tuesday, everybody. Welcome back. It is time for Silver and Black today, an Odyssey original podcast covering your beloved Las Vegas Raiders. Hi, I'm Scott Cobranson, your host. My co-host is Mo Moten. Mo is the national NFL writer over at Bleacher Report. You can also catch him as the Raiders columnist once a week, sometimes more, depending if he if he gets really into something he wants to talk about. Uh, up on Sports Not. Dot com. Of course, you can follow him on Twitter at Mo Moton. That's M O E M O T O N. I am at LV Gully. Mo, it's another week. We're getting closer to training camp. The time is ticking by. Today is 7 Eleven, by the way. Everybody can go out and get your free Slurpees if you have 7 Elevens. Where I live, we don't have any, believe oh, it or not. That's awful. It's crazy. Well, we have some great convenience stores here in Southwest Ohio uh, that have great stuff, but like, it's weird. You can get a Slurpee, but it's at a different place. It's like they licensed it. It's really strange. There are 7-Elevens here. There's just not that many of them. But I know this is the day, 7-Eleven, where you can bring in like like a cooking pot and just fill it up with a Slurpee. Have you seen people do this? I have not seen this. I, I have been there because, you know, with, with kids, when it's Slurpee day, uh, and here we are giving an advertisement for Slurpees. But anyway, they 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 let you bring in. Now, I think they put limitations on this, but we were in Las Vegas. When we were living in Las Vegas mm-hmm. and we went in and this guy brings in like one of those big like pots that you would put like, I don't know, pasta in or some big dish that you're making. And dude just pulls the handle and fills up the whole. And I'm like, what are you going to do? OK, maybe if you live right around the corner, you can get it home and get it in the freezer in time. But who the hell is going to drink that much Slurpee? And if they do, you probably want to not be anywhere near them. Yeah, probably not. <laughs> I, I've never, I've actually never seen that before. That's but I, it's funny because I used to work next door to a 7-Eleven, and I've never seen that. Uh, Slurpees in, in New York City used to be specific to Queens, but now oh. they're spread out all across Brooklyn. So they are. there's some convenience there. I don't go to 7-Eleven a lot. A lot of people say their their cheese and apple sticks are good. I, I don't like that. I don't like that combination of cheese and apple sticks, but I, I'll take their word for it on that one. I won't try it. <laughs> <laughs> well, we we are going to talk about Raiders football. Don't go anywhere. Uh, and yeah. we have some some news that we'll talk about. And Josh Jacobs in our second segment. By the way, we're going to ask the question: Does Sebastian Janikowski have the numbers to get into the Hall of Fame, and will he? make the Hall of Fame as uh, one of the Raiders' favorites as far as the fans out there in Raider Nation love Seabass. We're going to talk about that. Third segment, we're going to talk about Mo's last column. Marcus, An update on Marcus Peters. Uh, Mo did a piece on the kind of outstanding free agents out there, not just Peters, but everybody looking at, at uh, where they could land. Marcus Peters continues to be a name associated with the Las Vegas Raiders, so we're going to talk about that, especially with the need on defense they have. But we were talking about 7-Eleven. We were talking about Slurpee, so we got to start here. Over the weekend, um, Mo and I got in a little debate going back to the last show on Thursday about hot dogs and ketchup yeah. on hot dogs. Ketchup on hot dogs is just wrong. Number one, that's the I'm sorry, Mo, but that's the official position of Silver and Black today as a show. The official position, even though you disagree. 
<laughs> I know. Uh, but we, I put up a, a, a picture. I was at Costco with the family. We got the hot dog because, of course, where else are you going to get a $1.50 massive hot dog that you can't finish plus uh, a Coke uh, for $1.50 or whatever it is. And I showed that you don't put ketchup on your hot dog. Now, they only have mustard and relish. There's lots of other things you can put on there. But I'm just blown away. And I know you are because you stated it when you tweeted about it. How polarizing. It's like Biden, Trump, ketchup, no ketchup, Raiders, Derek Carr, no Derek Carr. It's like I was shocked. I just thought anybody over the age of 13 knew that you didn't put ketchup on a hot dog. Listen, Scott. First of all, shout out to Oakland Raiders 1976. He's the one who said this ketchup mustard debate is like the car wars that we yes. went through last this past season. So shout out to him for, for mentioning that. But I, I honestly had no idea that so much of the Raider fan base and people in general are anti-ketchup after the age of 10 years old. On a hot dog. And now, I, I might have ketchup hot... on fries or something, but let's so, be clear. So, so why is... Why is ketchup on a hot dog considered juvenile, but ketchup on a burger or anything else or fries is not considered juvenile? I, I feel, please fill me in on this one because it just breaks the rule. You're like ketchup, you put ketchup on a hot dog when you're a kid because kids don't know any better. Their 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 taste buds and and their palate, their their processed meat sausage palate, has not progressed enough to understand that. A hot dog, a ketchup is too sweet to put on a hot dog. And I'm not talking about, I had some guy go, oh, you're eating that crap. It's all lips and you know what? No, no, I'm talking about good hot dogs here. I'm talking about good kosher <laughs> hot dogs, good all beef hot dogs, not the scrappy stuff, the Oscar Mayer crap that you buy at the store for like $1.99. No, I'm talking about that. I'm talking about good hot dogs. Now, I talked about growing up and, and being originally from Chicago, which I know you then you completely obliterated anything from Chicago, which is expected because you're in New York. You're a New Yorker. The New York-Chicago rivalry is well known. It goes way back. It's not East Coast versus West Coast hip hop. But when it comes to food, it's pretty damn close. OK, so so we understand that. But but what blew me away, Mo, was not that just you didn't know ketchup shouldn't belong in a hot dog, but that you don't that you hate mustard and you live like you go outside your door there in New York. I'm sure within a block you're going to hit a stand. And the guy slapping with the knife, the mustard on the dog, and you hate mustard. I, 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 I despise mustard. It, it's <laughs> as much as it, mint chip. It, it, maybe as much as mint chip. I will say, I, I will not put mustard on any of as a topping on any of my foods. If it's included in certain foods, fine. But as a topping, <laughs> specifically as a topping, no mustard on anything. I'm not even a big ketchup guy. Like I know people who put ketchup on their eggs. I have family members who, who yeah. actually, and I, I don't like that either. But my confusion comes with how do people just are so strong against ketchup? It's a basic condiment. It would be like hating <laughs> vanilla ice cream. No one hates vanilla ice cream because it's so basic. Well, you know, if someone said their favorite ice cream is vanilla ice cream. I would look at them like there's so many flavors, but you like vanilla. But I wouldn't go as far to say I hate vanilla ice cream because just like ketchup, it's just it's very basic. Well, and see, but that's the distinction here, right? It's sort of like you you like I, I can eat ketchup. I put I put ketchup on hash browns. Like you talk about breakfast. I don't put them on my eggs. I think that's off limits. I just yeah, don't that's... like that taste. Mm -hmm. But I put them on hash browns. I'll put them on. Yeah, I'll put them on a burger. Although these days I kind of like a little something different on the burger. But but I'll put it on a burger, any potato dish. Totally fine. Right. Um, of course, I'm not Patrick Mahomes. I don't use it on steak which I'm sure some people out there do. But oh, nonetheless, I mean, ketchup to me is fine. I'm not anti-ketchup. I'm anti-ketchup on a hot dog. hot dog. Now, our West Coast folks, especially those up in the Bay Area that used to go to Raider games, know about the bacon-wrapped hot dogs, which really my guess was, because I used to go to Mexico as a kid a lot because we lived in San Diego, bacon-wrapped hot dogs in Mexico are big. So the Latin and the Mexican influence in the Bay Area, that's where you got your hot dogs. You didn't put ketchup on a bacon dog. Right. Then we also had um, our good friend down there in, in Arizona posted the picture to you, which you were looking at and saying, what the hell is that? With the hot dog with the big bun and all the jazz on top of it. That's a Sonoran hot dog, which you can get in certain parts of Arizona, mostly Tucson, the Tucson area. You can get them in Phoenix now a little bit, too. But again, you know, regionally, there's all different types of hot dogs and all that. Mm -hmm. But the ketchup debate is really interesting because um, you, so people... <laughs> It was like Derek Carr. People either loved it, loved it, or hated it on a hot dog. Now, again, 
a lot of people said, hey, I never put on a hot dog, but I'll put it on other stuff. So it, that's the only nuance of the conversation that I really enjoyed was even people who like, no, you're crazy. Hot dog belongs on a or excuse me, ketchup belongs on a hot dog. Uh, it was lighthearted enough where people didn't get incensed. We were insulting each other as well, but it was in fun. <laughs> this time it wasn't serious. Like, for example, pictures of Guy Fieri meeting with former President Trump at a UFC event. And people are now saying, see, I told you Guy Fieri's a MAGA and all it's like, dude, don't jump to conclusions. Just because I don't like ketchup on my hot dog doesn't mean I don't know my food, right? So, again, I, that's what I like about it. It's a little lighthearted at a time we don't have a lot of football news to talk about. So we're arguing over ketchup and mustard. Yeah. I, I will say this. I'm not opposed to ketchup on a hot dog. I am opposed mm -hmm. to mustard on a hot dog. But usually when I have a hot dog, I don't. if I put ketchup on it, I don't just yeah. have ketchup on it. Someone suggest, suggested sauerkraut. Not a big fan of sauerkraut, but if you put it on Me my either. hot dog with ketchup, I'm fine with that. You know, onions, I'm fine with that. Just stay away from the mustard when it comes to my hot dog. That's it. That's all I ask. And I'm not a mustard defender. Like, I don't feel obligated to defend mustard. I That's like good. mustard on a hot dog, but but, I, but I'm but i not like the ketchup argument where it's like, no. I'm like, whatever. You don't like mustard? Cool. Because, again, being from Chicago, and the, the full Chicago dog, I don't like either because I don't like whole tomatoes on a hot dog. That never made sense to me. It's like you're swapping out ketchup for whole tomatoes. What's the difference, right? There's that. But but in Chicago, the point, and my good friend Christopher Gabriel, who will be on the show again soon, yes. hosts the KM, KMJ News Show out in Fresno, California. He's from Chicago as well. One ingredient, and you have to try this, Mo, because they don't do it in New York. But when you next time, if you decide, I don't know if you ever make hot dogs at home, but if you do, celery salt. Yeah, celery. I've used I've used celery salt. Okay, so you know, so mm -hmm. celery salt on a hot dog is great, and in Chicago they have the funky green relish, which is really bright, but it's basically the same relish. It's a little sweeter, but not not too much. Um, but then also sport peppers. Sport peppers are tiny little. Eh, I won't call them pepperoncinis because they got a little more bite to them. But those actually taste good on a hot dog as well. So I actually like that. And I'll even spare the mustard. I'll just put the sport peppers and some of that stuff on there. But anyway, this is the time of the show where people are in the chat saying, what are you talking about football? What are you talking about hot dogs? But anyway, uh, you know, we hey, listen, we have fun with our listeners and our listeners yeah. were really engaged with this discussion, weren't they? they? They are. They actually answered my poll. I think I've had how many votes? Over 500, close to 600 votes on that mustard yeah. versus hot dog poll. So yeah. just saying. And, well, but you're not sharing what's winning. No, because it's not over yet. So I'll share the results <laughs> on the next show. <laughs> Mustard is up by what? Nine points so far? By 10%. Yeah, 10%. So there you go. Now, your option was ketchup, mustard, or you're from Chicago. Yeah, I disqualify people from Chicago for a reason. So do you, do you ever have bratwurst? I've never had a bratwurst. Before. Really? Okay. So they're mustard. Like, I can't imagine having a bratwurst without mustard, although... Maybe onion. I like onions. Like I, I like onions on my hot dogs too. They used to have it at Costco pre-COVID, where everybody wasn't freaked out about germs. Um, but anyway, so mustard. That's the end of the hot dog conversation. Speaking of hot dog, no. Speaking of important people, though, is uh, we're coming up now, Mo. This is as we talk to everybody. It is the 11th of July. There's six days, correct, for Josh Jacobs to sign a new contract, or the Raiders probably move to tag or to to leave only the tag, I should say, for him to respond and come to camp a week after. Um, I don't know, Mo. I, I, you know, I, listen, I don't, we talk about how much we like Josh Jacobs on the show. We talk about how much he means to this offense. I don't know about you, and it's not, there's nothing, I don't have inside information, any of that jazz. My gut just tells me the Raiders are, are, are playing hardball, and I don't think the Raiders are thinking about Josh Jacobs past this next season, no matter how disappointed folks out there might be. I would tend to agree with you. It, so much could change within a year, though. It I, could, I don't want to stamp could. that. I don't want to stamp that as a guarantee. He won't be back. But the way they're going about these negotiations now, we don't know for sure what's going on behind closed doors. But it seems like, as you said, that they're playing hardball. And I think a Dalvin Cook, and I've said this before, I think a, a Dalvin Cook or a Saquon Barkley contract would would significantly help Josh Jacobs if both those guys sign for big deals because Josh Jacobs can. Say, look at those two guys. I'm the Russian title champion. I'm the reigning Russian title champion. I deserve close to or more than what they got. But because neither of those guys have signed new deals either, it puts them in, it puts the Raisin Josh Jacobs in this standstill holding pattern where mm. it seems like they're just waiting for 
someone else to make a move. And I think that's yes. what Dave Ziegler is doing is that he's waiting to see what, what Saquon Barkley gets or what Dalvin Cook gets before he makes a move with Josh Jacobs. And Josh Jacobs is probably – he probably has a number out there that he's looking for. And the front is saying, well, we'll wait to see what happens with the other two Pro Bowl caliber running backs before we budge on the market. And it's really interesting. We've we've had some of our, our colleagues in the content game. I think it was Brad over at Just Blog Baby write a piece last week that said basically the Raiders should set the market with Josh Jacobs. And that doesn't I mean, with all due respect to him, and I do respect his opinion. I don't believe in that. I don't think as the Raiders where they are in the salary cap game and where they are in this rebuild of the team. I don't think they can do that. I, do, I just don't think you, if they were in a different place right now, if they were in a place where they had their franchise quarterback for the next 10 years, if they had their defense in a good position to where it was growing and they had, they had positions filled and feel good about where they're at, then I could see the expenditure on a three-year contract set the market. Let's go win the Super Bowl. I get that piece of it, but Mo, they're not there. Right. They're not in a position right now where they're, they feel like we're running back away from contending or being in the playoff discussion i think i, I think mm -hmm. they're in a position where it's like they're in this odd they're in this odd area where it's like are they rebuilding are they trying to compete for uh you mm -hmm. know a playoff and obviously they're competing for a playoff spot but are they competing for a super bowl because they got Devonte adams they got max crosby an older chandler jones jimmy garoppolo's a veteran quarterback so I don't know what the Raiders are because usually you can you can categorize point. NFL teams. You can say this is a this is a Super Bowl contender, this is a playoff contender, this is a rebuilding squad, and it's like with the Raiders because they have some star players on their roster, but they had so much turnover. You don't know where to categorize them. They're in this weird gray area, and I think that's why there's some hesitancy for them to to sign Josh Jacobs to a big deal because I think he feels that this team may not contend for a playoff spot, and that's why he wants the money because remember what he said during super bowl week he said i'm willing to play under the franchise tag if if they have guys around me you know basically a, mm -hmm. a solid all-around team so based on what i'm seeing from josh shakers on social media he wants to be paid which means he's thinking this team may not be able to contend for a playoff spot and i've said this multiple times on the show i said before training camp he's gonna think if this is a playoff team this is if this is a definitive playoff team i'll play under the tag because at least i know I can compete for a playoff spot, a Super Bowl ring. If this yeah. is not a playoff team, you're going to have to pay me to play for a bottom tier squad. Which is interesting because I don't know. And again, I, I don't take sides in this. I, we, we talk about it from a very objective standpoint, which is we, we compliment Josh Jacobs, but we also understand the Raiders business position and the market and all that jazz. Right. OK, so so let's just be clear about that. But I look at Josh Jacobs when he said that, because we talked about it, it was at Super Bowl, right? It was on Radio Row, and he talked about it, and we understood that. I just don't know how the Raiders could have ever got to a position where Josh Jacobs felt like he wasn't going to be in that position where, well, we're not yet quite a playoff team, or if we are, we're so fringe playoff that you need to pay me because I mean a lot more to this team. So in some ways, I think it was predetermined. I don't think there was ever going to be a place where Josh Jacobs was like, man, this team is so good, I'm willing to play on the franchise tag without any question, let's go. So, so it'll be interesting. I just don't think they could have overcome the holes that they had in one offseason uh, knowing what they had to do. You're absolutely right about that. I think the the wait is to see, you know, Raiders make a blockbuster trade for an mm. all-pro safety linebacker, another defensive player. When you look at that Raiders defense, and we talk Patrick so much Queen. about it, <laughs> Patrick Queen. <laughs> it, when you look at that defense, it, you, you have no faith that that defense is going to finish better than 20th in scoring a total yards based on Correct. the names that are on that, on that roster. Now, games aren't played on paper. We have to play it out and see where it goes because the Raiders may surprise us, but the Raiders haven't had a respectable defense. I've, I've wrote, written about this in like 20 years. I know. So That's what insane. makes you think it's going to change with the names they have on the roster right now? And I think Josh right. Jacobs is factoring that into his contract decision. And that's where the Raiders knowing, and, and again, we, we've said it all along too, Mo, that, that there's trades, that a lot of trades happen during training camp. So, so don't give up hope yet. Even after camp starts, there still could be a move. But from previous behavior, we've seen the Raiders outside of the Devontae Adams trade last year. We've seen them sort of stick with what they have. Okay, so we understand this regime has a plan. They like their players. They're going to stick with them. So we'll see if that holds true. I don't know how they could feel that way on defense, especially at linebacker safety. 
little bit of cornerback as well. So, so we'll see what happens there. But from Josh Jacobs standpoint, I just don't see anything other than, Hey, you got to play under the tag and then you'll be a free agent next year. I just don't see it happening again. Things can change. You're right over the course of the next year and maybe they will. But as of right now, my gut tells me that it's not going to go the way that fans want it to go. Yeah, that's what I've been saying for the past few weeks, that mm-hmm. the most likely scenario is Josh Jacobs is going to have to report and play under the tag this year because I don't see the Raiders budging the way Ziegler has paid. Now, he went out of his way, not went out of his way, but he paid big money for Devontae Adams and Chandler Jones last offseason, that, but that was last offseason. This right. offseason, he, he's been a lot more conservative with his spending. So based on, on the prior few months, doesn't seem like Josh Jacobs is going to get a top-of-the-market deal, in my opinion. Nope. All right. We're going to step aside for our first break. When we come back here on Silver and Black Today, an Odyssey original podcast covering your Raiders, we're going to get into a conversation about a former Raider. That is Sebastian Janikowski, Seabass, as you all call him. Does he deserve to be in the Hall of Fame? Does he have the numbers to be in the Hall of Fame? And what could work against him? besides being a Raider, of course. We'll talk about that here on Silver and Black today. Mo and Scott coming back right after this. What up, y'all? It's your boy Danny Green, three-time NBA champ. You either rooted for me or rooted against me. Join myself and my co-host Harrison Sanford on the Inside the Green Room podcast. It's a podcast that brings you never-before-told tales from the locker room to candid interviews with basketball legends to breakdowns of what's happening in the NBA right now. Whether you're a diehard fan or casual about your hoops, this podcast brings you the game like never before. Follow Inside the Green Room on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcast. You'll be glad you did. Welcome back. Segment number two on this Tuesday, July 11th, 2023. Silver and Black today, an Odyssey original podcast. Hey, if you don't already subscribe to the podcast, what is wrong with you? Is the summer heat getting to you? Get on board before training camp starts here. Uh, Wherever you get your podcast, just hit the subscription button. Put on the auto download as a favor for us. That way, every time the show comes out, you get it right to your inbox or to the app in which you listen to us. So we appreciate that as well. For the viewers on YouTube, thanks for being with us. Hit subscription and also make sure that you hit the notifications bell. By the way, also on Thursday, we love to do our viewer mailbag. Of course, Rainer Nation mailbag. If you want to do that, mail us at mail at silverandblacktoday.com with your question or comment, mail at silverandblacktoday.com. Or you could also leave it in the comments on YouTube. We, we check there as well. And you can tweet it at us. You can tweet it at Mo, M-O-E-M-O-T-O-N. I am at LV Gully, and the show is SNB Today. So there you go. Mo, you got something? Yeah, really quick, Scott. For the people emailing us this week, make sure you wish us a happy one-year anniversary. We started about a year ago, about this week. I didn't talk to Scott about this off-air, so this is kind of new to him hearing this. But I would say about a year from this date, second week of July, we actually started this with Odyssey. Yes. Uh, of course, we've had Silver Black today on other platforms, but we moved over to Odyssey and had our first show about a year ago today. So, yes. if you're out there, if you plan on emailing us, you know, it would be great. It would mean a lot to us if you wish us a happy one year anniversary. I, yes, Mo, I appreciate that. Not only that, but of course, uh, like you mentioned, the Odyssey Network launched 2400 Sports, which was an acquisition of Odyssey. They do amazing, they were doing amazing things in the sports world. They put together this whole network of NFL podcasts. I had some listeners ask us, hey, because they're competitive just like we are. They're, hey, where are you guys? Are you still third or whatever? Even during the offseason, yes, we've still been third. We've still been in the top 10 of all sports podcasts for Odyssey. That's what Raider Nation does. That's what you do. So we appreciate you guys continuing to download and listen to the show. By the way, we far surpassed the million download mark. So you talk about our anniversary. Uh, that was good as well. So we appreciate it. That's all because of you guys, right? If we were, if we weren't producing great content and I know you don't always agree with us and that's cool, Mm -hmm. but uh, if we weren't producing good content, you guys would not listen because Raider nation can sniff through fake stuff or, or, or clickbait. Now 
I did get one compliment, Mo, that 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 was not a mailbag compliment, but I want to talk about it. And I know it sounds like a little bit like self-gratitude here, but the the person tweeted at us that, hey, you know what? I appreciate your guys' content during this really dead period because everybody else has, has, has kind of resorted to clickbait stuff about trading Devontae Adams and all this other stuff and all this jazz that is just kind of like, yeah, you click through and then you're like, it's nothing. Um, we've tried to fill it. Yes, we talk about hot dogs and food and stuff like that, but we've tried to fill it with really substantive stuff that that we just talk about. That we that if Mo and I were sitting next to each other having a beer in a bar, we would be talking about from a Raider perspective. So we appreciate that. It means a lot to us. We know some people like us, some people don't like us, but when you do give us feedback like that uh, about kind of a, a, a especially from a strategy, Mo and I take because Mo and I talk about what direction we want to take the show all the time. Mm -hmm. and especially during times like this. And uh, to hear that back from the folks out there, Mo, it was really great because you and I really decided to do that. We didn't. We decided we weren't going to do shows on baseball. We weren't going to do shows on other subjects. We were actually going to stick to all Raiders content. Yeah, we're going to stick to Raiders and food because everyone eats food, <laughs> right? So you, everyone can have an opinion on food. Not everyone watches baseball. Right. So we're here for Raiders and a common ground where we can, you know, we can go back and forth about ketchup and mustard we can talk about you know, <laughs> avocados and jermaine luminar and his hate for avocados we will have him on to defend himself we by will the way, later will. but yes. that also goes back to my point with the content in the dead period that as i've said this before a lot of national media people national writers and i'm not calling out anyone specific but just in general a lot of national folks don't follow the raiders so they're gonna they're gonna cling on to the big headlines should the raiders mm -hmm. trade Devontae adams what's gonna happen with josh jacobs What's going to happen with Jimmy Garoppolo? And that's why I wrote a piece up on Sports Night about storylines that need more attention. Something that Raider fans can talk about or discuss that aren't the big headlines. Jimmy Garoppolo, Josh Jacobs, and Devontae Adams. Because there's a lot more going on with the team other than those three guys. Yeah. No, that's that's absolutely true. And, I mean, you you look at – you just look at everything that's going on. there. Last week, I think it was Thursday, I'm doing some work and I flip on like background noise. Um, NFL Network. And I, every hour they did five minutes on Jimmy Garoppolo and the Raiders. Well, what about his injury? Is he going to come back? Will he ever play a down with the Raiders? It's like, well, if he doesn't play a down with the Raiders, it doesn't cost him a thing. So it was really interesting because there was no news. There was nothing new from that situation of, at all. In fact, two and a half weeks prior is when we heard from Josh McDaniels that, that he was on track to be there and they weren't. So it was already three-week-old news. Right. But, but it goes to show you, especially, and hey, listen, I feel for NFL Network, they got to fill almost 24 hours, hours. a day yeah. of, of content. Well, at least 12 hours a day when they're live. So, mm -hmm. so I get it to a certain extent, but that's why we've kind of tried to shift it up. And that's what we're doing today as well. Um, I did see a, a piece on Yardbreaker to give credit uh, where credit is due. And it kind of it generated a thought with me because it's been a conversation I've heard from folks in Raider Nation uh, as well. And actually, it's from our friends at the Raider Ramble. Uh, Mario, shout out to Mario Tobar. Um, so give him credit, actually, not uh, Yardbreaker picked it up. So good for Mario. Uh, but but is Sebastian Janikowski a Hall of Famer? Now, Raider fans will say yes, you know, because he is he is really a beloved Raider. There are some guys who Raider fans that always love all their Raiders for the most part, exception of a couple. But with Sebastian Janikowski, he was so good with the fans. He was such a regular guy, including his build. Right, which was much more built by <laughs> Miller beer than it was in the weight room. So that question has a lot of people, I think, emotionally invested. Uh -huh. But if you look at this, he's the all-time franchise leader with 414 field goals. He went to the Pro Bowl, was a second-team All-Pro. Uh, and from 2010 through 2012, he had 31-plus field goals each year in that stretch, also the longest one of his career was 63 yards, of course. Everybody knows that. Uh, but when you look at kickers, Mo, let's start with the, at the very high level before we get into Sebastian. When you look at kickers in the NFL, they just don't make the Hall of Fame. Yeah, there, there are only four kickers in the Hall of Fame, I believe, right now. Yeah. Two of them are pure kickers. Uh, I believe it was Luke Groza and George Blanda. George Blanda was also a quarterback. Luke Groza was an offensive lineman. Uh, Jan Stenerud was was former chief, by the way. Chief, yes. Was the first pure or primary kicker that made the Hall of Fame. And then Morton Anderson was the most recent. We all, if I grew up on Morton Anderson, had some big games uh, with the Falcons. But to me, if you're a kicker getting in, 
you have to have something special about your resume. You have to have yeah. multiple all pro pro bowl seasons. You have to have probably won a super bowl. And of course your, your accuracy has to be above 80%. Cause I believe Martin Anderson is about 79 point something percent, very close yeah. to 80%. So Janikowski checks the box there when it comes to his accuracy. I know a lot of Raider fans remember when he, he missed some kicks, but overall <laughs> in his career, his 80% is about where you need to be to get into the hall of fame. If you're a kicker from the, from the few that are in where he, where he falls short is he doesn't have a Super Bowl win, of course, mm-hmm. and he doesn't have multiple Pro Bowl All-Pro seasons. He has one. And, I, and just off the top of my head, the kicker that I think has the best chance of getting in eventually, Adam Vinatieri. I know Raider fans yes. are going to hate to hear about him. Oh, yeah. What, the tuck rule game and all that, and I get that. But he has multiple Pro Bowl and All-Pro seasons. He's, up, he's above 80%, and he has some iconic kicks in the yes, snow. iconic kicks. Yes, that, and that, and that's another thing you need. You need a highlight reel to show because when you are inducted into the Hall of Fame, they show your highlight package. Yeah, you know what is it about Janikowski's career? Are you going to put in his highlight package when he's inducted? What kick stands out in your mind off the top of your head? You go, I remember that kick. The sixty-three yarder. That's it. I mean, and that's, that's not, not to belittle. I mean, he really no. meant he meant going back to the idea that he was picked in the first round, what he meant to the team. I get that piece of it, but I think you're hitting right on it, Mo. And that's where I think Janikowski falls short. I think there's another reason I'll get to in a second, but you talk about iconic kicks. You talk about playoff runs. You talk about wins. Now, is that fair? Are there kickers? But you look at Stenerud, you look at Groza. Of course, the, the kicking award in college is named after Lou Groza because he was so good for his period of time. You look at Anderson, uh, you look at Blanda, they all had big kicks and they had big wins and they had big runs. That's what Janikowski did not have. Now, you can compare a lot of the numbers, but I think, when, again, when it comes to kickers especially, this is where I think you have to do something exceptional, and some of it is optics. I'm not saying that he wasn't a Hall of Fame quality kicker. He's just not going to have the extras that you need to get in because – it's already hard to get in. I mean, remember, everybody loves and knows how damn good Ray Guy was as a punter, okay? Ray Guy did not get in the Hall of Fame without the senior committee, and he was a dominant punter, much more so, and, of course, was in, and had the wins. Um, and, of course, punts are not the same as kicks where you have these highlight films. You do have highlight of Ray Guy. I mean, Guy could boom the hell out of the ball, but it's a little different. So I only compare that because what it took Ray Guy to get in, and really everybody, it seemed, was like, yeah, Ray Guy's a no question to get in the Hall of Fame, and he never did until the senior committee voted him in. So I think that, second, Mo, I want to get your comment on this. I know it took too long, and, and what the Hall of Fame did to Ken Stabler and his family was wrong. We know that. Second is how long it took for Cliff Branch. We both know those were injustices that were eventually righted, unfortunately, after both men had passed away. But if you look at recent years, the Raiders, it's almost like, not that these guys didn't deserve it, but it's almost like the Hall of Fame was doing them a solid and a bunch of Raiders got in over the last four or five years, okay, including what's in those guys. That's why I think it works against... Janikowski too is I I think the Raiders have had a big run of Hall of Famers here now and I think it's going to go a little bit dry I I could see that point of view I I can really see that point of view but I can also say see them just saying like look compared to if you put Janikowski in a line of kickers deserving to go in the Hall of Fame would he be at the front of the line Mm. probably not like I said Vinatieri off the top of my head would be would be first Matt Stover is another guy who comes to mind former Ravens kicker who had some some big moments in the NFL. He's a guy that I think, if you're talking about kickers, probably more deserving. I know Raider fans don't want to hear that, but just look at the numbers. Uh, and as I said, look at the qualifications. As I say, you got to have the accuracy rate. To me, you got you probably got to have some accolades, Pro Bowl or Pro Seasons, more mm-hmm. than one probably. And you and I want to hammer this home because it's very important. I think people overlook it. The iconic moments. A lot of people say, I hear people say, can you tell a story? of the NFL without this player. And Vintieri is one of those guys where you can't tell the story of, of the NFL without him because he's part of that Patriots dynasty. The Ravens winning Super Bowls. So guys like, you know, their kickers are probably going to get in because the Ravens were a team that's been perennial contenders. Then they've been able to stand toe-to-toe with the Patriots in their heyday of their dynasty years and win games in the yeah. AFC. So those kickers are going to get a lot more respect. If Had the Raiders won some Super Bowls while Janikowski was kicking, I think he would have a much stronger case. 
Right. And I mean, there's guys too, you look at, you talk about not making iconic kicks. I'll tell you a guy who I think is a hall of fame kicker and has somewhat similar stats. Uh, although I would say actually better stats overall was Jason Hansen. Remember Jason Hansen with the Detroit lions. Yep. Here's a guy who's in the college football hall of fame, uh, was a second team all pro just like, uh, Janikowski was it was a two-time pro bowler so one more time than Janikowski and if you look at the numbers and what he did uh, but again being on those bad Lions teams where they never won it works against him too and it's a reason why you won't see him but he's got the most field goals of 40 or more yards in a career with 189 most consecutive field goals of 40 yards or more with 24 I mean this is a guy who to me would be ahead of the line of Janikowski even but it goes to show you that even he who has a lot better stats is not in the Hall of Fame probably will not get in unless it is on that senior committee designation. And as we said it's very hard to get into the Hall of Fame as a as a kicker. Yeah. As I rattled off only four and two of them played a different position as well. They were also a quarterback or an offensive lineman. <laughs> so shout out to our follow, our listeners in Norway. As I said, Stenberg was it was the first primary kicker to get in. Like he yeah. broke the mold, and then Morton Anderson came in after him. But kickers in general just don't get in, and, and they have to be they have to be super duper special. And I guess Janikowski is special to Raider fans and the franchise numbers. But as we as we as some, and I hate to go here with the conversation, but as remember Derek Carr pointed out, I have you know franchise numbers. I'm the franchise leader in this and this and that. And Raider fans poo pooed him and say, yeah, but you didn't win anything. Yeah. And, and I, will, I will parallel that conversation to say when it comes down to the Hall of Fame, you do have to win to a certain extent. Yeah. You got to have the numbers. You can have the franchise numbers, but you also have to win. And again, you have to have those big moments to qualify. And, and there are exceptions, especially depending on the position. Now, you could say, well, Dan Marino never won a Super Bowl. Yes, but Dan Marino put up ungodly numbers over the whole course of his career, and he played quarterback. So so his numbers, you compare Derek Carr, not even a comparison. So so there there are examples of guys who haven't won the big game, but Dan Marino did get there. He also won consistently over time, uh, even though the Dolphins could never get the job done. So so there is differences there. And to your point, kicker is a less valued position, even though it's as important as any other. You just still, when it comes to the Hall of Fame, you got to do something amazing. So that's that's where we're at with Seabass. We'll see what happens. I don't think... I don't think he'll ever get in, frankly, even on a senior uh, committee designation when you got guys like Jason Hansen ahead of him. If he does, it'll be several years from now, and we'll see. There's also, he had some controversy around him, of course, with the, the drug allegations, which I don't think were ever proven, but that stuff comes up too. You just, not, not that there aren't guys. I mean, Jim Brown just passed away. He had some bad stuff happen in his life. Didn't take away from his accomplishments on the field, but certainly it ends as part of the discussion, especially these days. Yeah, and, and since we're on the subject of kickers, another kicker that came to mind where I mentioned Martin Anderson, Gary Anderson, former Gary Vikings Anderson. kicker, was he had some big Huge. moments. I know the Vikings didn't, you know, you know, they came up short a lot during his tenure with the team, but he, I believe, has multiple Pro Bowls in the All-Pro season. He's not even in. And he had a long tenure career. He played for the Steelers, yeah. had a year at the 49ers before the Vikings. So even when you have a long tenure career, and Janikowski's career doesn't span as long as Gary Anderson. Gary was kicking into his forties forever, yeah. <laughs> so and he didn't even get in. So I, I'll just reiterate for Raider fans that are campaigning for Sebastian Janikowski to get in, don't hold your breath on it because one, it's tough, and two, I think there's a line of guys that may have a, a stronger case than he does. But let's just say Seabass is always going to be an icon within the Raider fan base, and that's all he probably needs right now because Raider fans, as you said love Seabass and love that he was kind of like a regular guy on the football. Team. Yeah. And he was, he was great to the fans still is still shows up at yeah. camp and other places. Mm -hmm. So uh, good for him. And he had a great career, of course, a career to be incredibly proud of. Okay. We're going to take our final break here on the Tuesday edition. When Amo and I come back, we're going to check in on free agents that make sense for the Raiders again. And that is Marcus Peters. Mo had a column last week on or a story in Bleacher Report about all the free agents still out there and what are good fits for them and, of course, Marcus Peters and the Raiders continue to be a discussion. So we're going to ask him for an update on his opinion on that. And if there are any other players in the course of his work that he found might still be a good fit for the Raiders. So don't go anywhere. You're listening to Silver and Black today and Odyssey Original Podcast. We're coming back right after this. Welcome back. Silver and Black today and Odyssey Original Podcast. If you don't subscribe to the podcast, you got to. You got to go do it now. That's right. Subscribe wherever you get your audio just look for Silver and Black today. Hit subscription. Put on auto download so you always get the latest and greatest edition 
of the show, Mo Moten. He is the national NFL writer with Bleacher Report. You can follow him on Twitter, M-O-E-M-O-T-O-N. I am at L-V Gully, Scalco Branson, your co-host as well. And it's time to talk a little bit about Mo's writing and, of course, Mo's alter ego. Hey, look. It's Midtown Mo. Oh, yeah. It's time for Midtown Mo. And if you missed his piece on Bleach Report at the end of last week, th- th- that run Thursday or Friday, Mo, I can't remember. That was run on Friday. Friday. Okay, so right before your weekend, Mo dropped a piece about top free agents still on the market and good fits for them. And we've been talking about weeks since Marcus Peters visited the Raiders and how much sense it would make. We've talked about it many times. But, Mo, in the course of this piece, um, you looked at a bunch of different guys, Yannick Ngagwe, former Raider, a bunch of guys out there. Um, and, of course, Marcus Peters, you talked about the Raiders. What do we know now? I mean, when you look at the Raiders and what they've done, what they did in the draft, what they haven't done in free agency, at least since uh, that initial uh, slew of signings, when you look at Marcus Peters, he still makes sense for this Raiders team uh, you found during your research for this piece? I, de- I think he definitely still makes sense for this Raiders team simply because I think they need a veteran to push the young guys at the position. Last week we talked about Nate Hobbs preferring to return to the slot cornerback position, which leaves the outside boundary spot open for possibly Jacorian Bennett, maybe one of the signees that they've had in uh, David Long Jr., Duke Shelley. But I, you're not going to be handing out starting roles at training camp. So I think Marcus Peters, I think if he does eventually sign with the Raiders, I think he's going to win one of those jobs. But if he doesn't, he's great competition for one of the younger guys to show that they, you know, they deserve that starting role. So I think the Raiders need him for multiple reasons. If he is still, if he can still perform at a high level, he can still force turnovers. And that's what the Raiders have desperately needed. The Raiders have finished last in interceptions in the last two years. Yes. And so you, think about that. Well, and you talked about it, Mo. You talked about why he makes so much sense. And you talked about the fact that with Patrick Graham, here's a guy who really values man cover corners that are ball hawks, right? Guys that go after the ball, to your point about interceptions and the Raiders failing to even make a blip on the radar when it comes to turnovers in the in the backfield. Um when you look at that, you say, hey, this is the perfect sense. Now, to me, it's probably coming down to Marcus Peters looking where he's going to get the best offer. It's a money issue, I would imagine. The Raiders are, in my view, a perfect fit for him. But there's also other teams out there who need the same thing. Yeah, I also listed the Minnesota Vikings. and I listed the Tennessee Titans. I think I think the Vikings are a better fit. I think the Titans have a big need there because Cody yeah. Farley out of Virginia Tech has been a bust, I want to say. He's been hurt. He hasn't been available, but even when he's played, has lived up to his first round billing. So I think the Titans, may, they don't play as much uh, man as the Raiders and the Vikings are, are going to play because Brian Flores is a new defensive coordinator for the Vikings. So I to make note of that. Brian Flores, another heavy man coverage guy, defensive coordinator who comes from that Patriots tree. But the Titans have a big knee there, and I don't see why they wouldn't look into a Marcus Peters if they think he, he can fit there. But I think it's ultimately, as you say, he, Marcus Peters is going to look at where can I get the best offer, and I think he can get the best offer from either the Raiders or the Vikings who have a big need in their secondary. Now, another guy you talked about in relation to the Raiders in your Bleacher Report piece was a guy you called the quintessential glue guy, and that is safety John Johnson with the Cleveland Browns, here's a guy who can play in the slot even. I mean, he can play all over that defensive backfield. Talk about John Johnson and um, if what his fit with this team would be and what you see his role being if the Raiders were to make a move there. I see John Johnson or John Johnson III, depending on where you look on some websites, he has this suffix there. But I see him as that he, – he can fit that Julian Love role where he can play, as mm. you mentioned, slot corner, and he could play safety. Um Patrick Graham has had guys play that role in pre- at previous spots, especially with the Giants. Logan Ryan, as I mentioned, Julian Love, even Xavier McKinney have, uh, wore multiple hats in the secondary. So Patrick Graham likes that versatile defensive back who can who he move around the, the secondary like a chess piece. As I said in the piece, as you mentioned, John Johnson is basically a glue guy. So wherever you need to fill in a spot, he can do that. Now, primarily, he's going to play safety. I think he's best as a free safety because his coverage is still up there. Unlike, mm-hmm. as I wrote in the piece, unlike some of the other guys available in open market, his coverage hasn't slipped a bit. I believe he's under 85 in passer rating allowed in his last three, four seasons. 
He's going to primarily play the safety position. I prefer him at free safety, but if you need him to slide into the slot, somebody gets hurt, somebody plays another position, he can also do that too and play it at a high level. He also lessened his missed tackle rate. So he's a he's a reliable tackler for the most part. Not the greatest tackler. You're not going to use him as a thumper on the box. But if you need a guy who's going to get you the routine tackle, a, 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 a good stop on third down, he can definitely do that. And I think he's a he's a pretty good fit for this defense and under Patrick Graham. I know Vinny Bonsignor at the Las Vegas Review Journal is a big fan of his because he played for the Rams and Vinny covered the Rams. So Vinny knows all about what John Johnson III can do. And I've watched a lot of him and I know what he can do in that secondary. Yeah, we hope to have Vinny on the show soon uh, as we haven't had him on quite a while. But this is interesting, too, because you mentioned one of the other top spots that makes sense for John Johnson is right in the AFC West with the Los Angeles Chargers. Uh, and you look at the two needs of those teams, they somewhat mirror each other in different spots on their defenses. So the Raiders could have competition. If the Raiders don't sign him, you could see him within the division. Yeah, Raider fans probably don't want to hear this, but John Johnson, the third, probably makes a, a better fit with the Chargers because his former defensive coordinator is over there. Brandon, yeah. Brandon Staley was the defensive coordinator of the Rams when the Rams had the number one total defense and in, in, uh, defense in scoring. John Johnson was part of that defensive unit, and Brandon Staley has brought multiple former Rams on that 2020 squad to this Chargers team. Now, the Chargers lost a safety in Nasir Adley, who retired this offseason. I know they have JT Woods there, but he doesn't have a lot of starting experience. Staley could possibly bring John Johnson III over, go back to Los Angeles just with another squad there in the Chargers. Well, we talked about these two guys in your piece, Mo. Anybody else out there? I, I think the Raiders will, will make a move in the defensive backfield, and I think they will also make a move at linebacker, which we'll save for a future show. At least I hope they do. Um, but when you look at defensive backs, what are maybe some of the guys still out there, too, that didn't make the cut for your piece this time that could be a good fit in Las Vegas to help that defense out? I would even consider Logan Ryan. I know I briefly mentioned him. He's he's an older defensive back, but he has the knowledge in Patrick Graham's system. Patrick Graham trusted him a lot when he's with the Giants. He has that leadership type of vibe to him. I, I saw him on a recent show. I won't give that show a shout out because I don't, we're not into free advertisements here, but he <laughs> I think he he can bring something to a locker room, especially a young secondary. As I said, the Raiders have a very young secondary between their safeties and their cornerbacks. They need that veteran leader, and I'm not sure if, Patrick, if Marcus Peters is that guy to be a leader. He's more of a playmaker than a leader in the locker room. But Logan Ryan fits that mold where he can be a leader in the locker room and still make plays at his age. I believe he's 32 years old, older, but still knowledgeable of the system and can still play at a decent level. There you go. See, so now got to go read the rest of Mo's piece so you can see other players that are out there that are not just Raiders related, but also uh, keep up on what's happening. Quick, quick note, I will say a lot of people who read the piece, and I will spoil a little bit for myself. A lot of people <laughs> like Quan Alexander as a fit with the Raiders linebacker who played yeah. with the Jets last year, so I watched a lot of him. He had some injuries early in his career, but he's really picked it up, and he's a three-down defender. If the Raiders are going to go to veteran route and they don't get Patrick Queen or Isaiah Simmons, I think Quan Alexander is someone to consider. There you go. And we, we we will get into linebackers here, Mo, either either next show or next week. Because yeah. we gotta talk about it. it's such a black hole for this team. Excuse no the pun intended. there. No offense. <laughs> no offense to the folks in the black hole. Uh, but it really is. I mean, it is it, it's a twilight zone. Okay, well, maybe that's better for this team. And so we gotta we gotta figure out what they can do to perhaps make it better if they decide to. And you gotta figure there's gotta be some bodies that they bring in just because from a competitive standpoint, being able to do that. Uh, is huge for this team, so we'll see how it all runs out. Uh, but uh, but it's interesting. Lots lots to talk about, and we're just about uh, 13 days, right? 13, 14 days from the start of camp in Henderson out at, uh, at the Raiders facility, so getting better. I'm looking forward to it, man. We're going to have some new stuff to talk about, start to look at what's happening out in camp. That's why we want to get Vinny on. We want to get some other folks on here soon to talk about this because here we go, buddy. Yeah, buckle up. We're going to actually have something to talk about other than mustard and ketchup to start these shows. So <laughs> I know some fans <laughs> right. who are tired of the food talk are going to be relieved that we, we're going to start off with some football instead of food. But yes. that's going to come up very soon. we got another week to go, as you said. Yes. On the next episode, pineapple on pizza or no? no. <laughs> Anybody who's followed the show for more than a month knows about yeah, that. So. Oh, that's all fun. All right, Mo. Well, listen, what do you got coming up? Uh, I know we got a show on Thursday, of course. Anything in between now and Thursday, as we sit here on Tuesday, uh, i.e. Wednesday or later today, uh, that people need to get ready for and support you by reading your work? I actually haven't settled on a sports not 
piece yet. Usually, sometimes I come up at the spur of the moment and just see what's buzzing. So, Raider fans out there, I do listen to you on social media. What are you guys and gals out there talking about? And sometimes I'll I'll say, okay, I like that idea. I'll turn that yeah. into a, a column. But on the Bleach Report side, I do have a piece coming out, bold predictions for training camp. These are guys I think that could surprise people and maybe cut or traded. It could be a Raider bold prediction mixed in there. I'll, I'll leave it up to suspense. Check out the piece, <laughs> and you'll see what's in there. There you go. Now, I have your headline already. You ready? Raider Nation, no ketchup on hot dogs. Yes! No ketchup on hot dogs at training camp. They, they're, as of this point now, I, I know you got a few hours left. Or no, I think it's expired now. So after the show ends, we'll actually have your poll will be final. So we'll quickly talk about it. I know we're not going to do two in a row shows a segment about hot dogs but we will look at your stats there and see what raider nation says uh maybe that's so where i have to i'll go do a, a sports not piece raider nation hates ketchup on their hot dogs i, I, I am so disappointed in our country that poll. <laughs> I, I, I honestly didn't think it would go the oh. way it's going oh my gosh it's fun there you go it reminds me our good friend q myers over at raider nation radio my former broadcast partner we did a thing on the air one time about Pop-Tarts. Do you remember that? And I it, remember that. It was the same Toasted thing. Toasted or raw. Toasted or raw. And it was like, I, I, we brought it up in the course of conversation, and I never knew that people had that strong. And of course, I was right again on that one. <laughs> just, just saying. Uh, but but I oh, just was, God. it was, but the passion on both sides of the issue were amazing because I was like, I thought I was the only freak out there who said, no, you got to eat them raw right on the package. Forget toasting them. And I kind of always, you know, I was like, oh, I don't want to tell anybody I do that. And then all of a sudden, all these people came. No, of course, man, you don't you don't put those in the toaster. And then there were the people. No, you got to toast them. What are you nuts? You don't eat raw food, blah, blah. So all good stuff. That's why that's why we have fun on the show. Right. Because believe it or not, um, there are people who talk football and there are people who talk football that are human beings. Yes. Yeah. We actually do things outside of this. So a lot of you like to know that. Some of you don't care to know that. And you say, I'm not going to listen to this show. Totally cool, too. As well as you come back for the football, that's that's fine with us. Mm-hmm. Side note, I, I've never eaten a toasted Pop-Tart. <laughs> see? Mo, Mo, see. There you go, Mo. Tear in my eye. Ended in a good note, right? That's right. <laughs> Ended on a good note. Okay, Mo. Well, listen, man. We will talk to you on Thursday, buddy. Right. See you Thursday. All right. For our producer... Mike Rabia, who wanted me to remind you to subscribe wherever you get your audio. Make sure you hit the subscription and the auto-download button. To Mike Rabia, thank you for being our producer and doing such a great job. For Mo Moten, no, excuse me, for Mo Moten, let me say his <laughs> name correctly, I am Scott Goldbrands, and this has been Silver and Black Today, an Odyssey original podcast. We will be back with you on Thursday. Have a great couple days, Raider Nation. We'll talk to you then.